welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 22nd of June 2014, entitled Spiritual Warfare, A Daily Battle, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 10, reading down through verse 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we do thank you again for this time that you have given us together this evening in your house. Thank you for your word that we have just read from. Thank you for your spirit that's within us that now, Lord, we depend totally and completely upon. Father, that as we take this time to look into your word, that, Lord, that you would take, use thy unworthy servant for your glory. Lord, you know the hearts of each one that is here. You know the needs of each individual. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit that you would take and meet the needs of each and every one. We will give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We talked about this matter of spiritual warfare this morning, and we covered uh, three things, really, as we, first of all, as we began by talking about the, the fact that spiritual warfare is something that everyone has to deal with. Now, on the one hand, for someone that is lost, that battle is very different because Satan's desire for the lost person is that they would remain lost. And we know that the Bible teaches us that he can... His desire would be to, to blind their eyes that they would not be able to, to see and understand the gospel. We know that he's very active there. Uh, but we're concentrating primarily here upon the uh, believers because that's who that this passage is being written to when he began finally. Henceforth, from here, from now on until the Lord comes back, he said, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. And of course, we looked there this morning. We talked about some of the different ways that Satan will attack, but the reality is, is that if you are a child of God, you are in a battle. There is no question. Uh, the devil doesn't to call any ceasefires. He doesn't let up anywhere along the line. We talked about many of the ways that he would try to take and undermine. We talked about some of the battles that we faced. We've been talking about the fact that uh, many within our own fellowship have been under much attack lately. Our church has been under attack in many ways. But the victory is ours. First of all, we know that the victory is ours because of what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. Uh, we know the end story of where Satan is going to end up. 
But it's during this interim time that we are here that these battles are being talked about. And we looked at three things this morning. First of all, that our strength is in the Savior. This is not a battle that we fight in our own strength. It's not a battle that we can hope to fight in our own strength. But our strength is in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Second, we, we look there into uh, verse 11. And we said that our stand is against Satan. So many times we want to fight all the battles in all the wrong places, but this is a battle that must be fought in the strength of the Lord, the receiving of that strength, continually receiving that strength. And our enemy is Satan. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We talked a bit about those wiles and that really, if you want to get right down to it, that it includes everything that you can possibly imagine from every sin, immoral practice, false religion, cults, worldly enticements, temptations, every lie and deceitful trick that the Satan might try to pull out of the bag and he'll try them all. But the great thing for you and I is that if we will stand in the strength of our Savior, then here when we put on this whole armor that we may stand the fact there is no question that if we do it God's way, we can stand against whatever that Satan might throw against us. Sometimes we don't understand those battles. Sometimes we question. Sometimes we think that we don't just have the strength to keep going on. And in our strength, we never will have. But what we're realizing, this is a daily battle for every believer. Our strength is in the Savior. Our stand is against Satan. And thirdly, we looked at the fact that our struggle is spiritual. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And of course, we looked at that matter that this is not some physical war. This is not physical strength that we need. This battle that we're talking about is a spiritual battle. We talk about this strength that we need from within. And we want to move on now to, to the next passage there in verse, in verse 13. And we want to pick up uh, from that passage, which says to us, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Wherefore? In other words, understanding these things or because of this, in light of the battle that we are involved in, that, that we are going to be in, we'd best be ready for the battle. We'd best be ready for it every day of our life. Because I can assure you that if the enemy finds you sleeping, or if he finds you unprepared, he will not hesitate to take advantage. God says that we will be able to withstand whatever the enemy brings against us. And having done all, he says here, we will be able to stand and hold our position. We talked about that, that stand, that military term this morning, that it literally, in battle, it talked about a soldier that when he was being attacked by the enemy, he held his critical position. He stood against the enemy. He lost no ground against him. We find that we can. Having done all, we're able to stand and hold our position. Having done all that he has instructed us to do, having done all, having done what he is instructing us right here by taking up and putting on this whole armor that he supplies for us. He has supplied us everything that we need to be ready to do battle with the enemy. All you need 
is to actually use what he supplied for you. This spiritual battle that we've already talked about requires spiritual supplies. So we see that as we look here that not only do we recognize that our strength is in the Savior, that our stand is against Satan, that our struggle is spiritual, but fourthly, our supplies are sufficient. They are all sufficient. God gives us everything that we need. This should excite us as Christians. He's warning us and instructing us at the same time. The enemy is there. The battles are going to come. We're going to be involved in this spiritual warfare. But he gives us everything that we need for Satan's attacks. They do come in all different forms. Of course, he loves to come and temptate, tempt, uh, bring temptation to us to, to sin against God. He loves to foster distrust and doubts and lack of faith in our life that we just don't trust him. Disobedience, discouragement, doctrinal confusion, false teachings, divisions, slothfulness just to get us to, to quit serving God, hypocrisy, worldliness. You could literally put anything on that list that is contrary to God and his righteousness. Whatever the case but I want you to grasp and understand, whatever the case, the armor that is supplied is sufficient for the battle. He gives us a whole list here. Stand therefore. Find that same word. We're holding our position. We do not have to lose an inch to Satan. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins. Talking about the waist. He's using the Roman armor here, and of course there was this, this girdle, this belt that we would probably call it today that went right around their midsection, around their waist, and that literally was what held all the other armor together, everything fastened to that. That was what held everything in place. We find that he says, loins girt about with truth. We need to put on this girdle, this belt, if you would, of, of truth. What is he talking about? Well, first of all, I believe that he's honestly talking about God's truth. You know, one of the things that Satan will try to get us to do so many times is just to put some truth aside, not to be offensive, uh, not to, uh, to really hold our own on something that, that God has told us in his word, but it's only this truth that will set us free. When we're fighting against Satan, if we have any hopes, now God's given us the armor but the truth is we've got to have the truth. And of course, I believe not only is it God's truth, but in our own lives as well. It's that truth that anchors everything else today. For so many today, the emphasis is upon just being sincere, just being sincere in whatever it is that they do. They're genuine about it. Their heart is in it. But sincerity is not enough if truth isn't there the knowledge of God's truth. I would just simply say that if we're going to be able to fight this spiritual battle, that truth is essential if we're going to win the battle. You cannot win a spiritual battle against Satan without the truth. That's going to hold everything else together. If we start anywhere else besides the truth, then everything else is going to be loose and it's not going to do the job that it's sent to do. It really comes down to the fact that you know, as hard as it is for us to accept sometimes, 
It's not what I think, and it's not what you think. It's what God says, full stop. The truth will protect you. Lies and hypocrisy will only destroy you. Satan himself is the father of lies. And we find that the first thing that we need is we need to put on this armor. If we're going to win this spiritual battle, that we need to put on this girdle, this belt of truth. We need to be standing upon God's truth. We need to know what God's word says. How are you going to fight the enemy when he comes and he tries to take you down some, uh, some path that you ought not to be going down, if he tries to discourage you to take you away, if you don't know God's truth, if you don't know his promises, if you don't know where to stand, how in the world are you going to make a stand and not lose ground? You see, this is not something mystical. This is something that God has given us, but we must put it on. We are commanded here to put the whole armor of God on, beginning with this matter of putting on this girdle of truth. Next, he says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate was, was worn, and it actually connected to the, uh, the girdle. And, of course, the breastplate was there to protect the heart and those vital organs. That's why that, uh, that it was worn there in the first place. Of course, we find that he says the breastplate of righteousness and the first instance before God, we know that it's the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to us. We know that in the end, that the battle is already won in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that even though that we have that, that, that breastplate of righteousness that we have in Christ, we find that there's something else here that if Christ is truly living in us, then it should produce a visible righteousness in our lives. He calls us to be righteous. He calls us to be holy as he is holy. In other words, first thing we have to have if we're going to win this battle is we have got to have the truth. And secondly, we must be able to apply that truth to our lives and live in obedience to it. We can't win this spiritual battle if we don't have the truth, if we're basing it on something that's other than the truth, and if we're not applying that to our lives and being obedient to it. So we've got to know the truth. We've got to live the truth. But then he got, goes on here. He says, not only the, the Lord our guns with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, he says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, the Roman soldier that he is using here to give us this picture, he wore his shoes, his boots, if you would, and they were called some, something like uh, calage in the, in the original name. But basically what it was was boots with nails sticking out the bottom of them. And the reason that they wore those nails in the bottom of their shoes was so that they could get good traction. They were on firm ground. They had a firm standing. And that was good for them whether they were being attacked or whether they were standing in defense. If they were being attacked, it helped them. But it also helped them when they were attacking the enemy because they had a firm foundation under them. We find that the believer needs sure footing if he's going to fight these battles. What is he talking about here? Shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. If we study this out, number one, it's that confidence in the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work when he died and rose again for, for us, for our sins, 
that that is sufficient, that that will save someone if they'll put their, their faith and trust in it. We can't have doubts about the gospel and be able to win the spiritual battle. Preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, that without the gospel, we were enemies with God. It's only through the gospel that we have peace with God. There's a difference with, with having that peace within us, but being at peace with God. And it's through the gospel. And if we're going to win this spiritual battle, then we need to have confidence in the gospel. And do you know what happens when you've genuinely got confidence in the Bible, which is, which is also carried in this meaning, is this eagerness. If you've truly got confidence in the gospel, guess what? You're going to want to give it to other people. You're going to want to share it with other people. That's going to be your sure foundation. It's the gospel itself that can save lost souls. We need the sure footing of the gospel if we're going to make advance against the enemy because it's only in the gospel that the enemy will be defeated. It's only in the gospel that Satan has already been defeated. So we need that belt of truth around us. We need the breastplate of righteousness, God's truth, that truth being applied in our, in our lives. And then what it is that's going to give us the traction, the firm foundation to make is confidence in the gospel of what Jesus Christ did and the sufficiency of that. And then he goes on here, the next thing that he tells us that we need to put on, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, the shield was an interesting piece of the armor because it was literally to protect any part of the body that you needed to be protect because you could move that shield whatever direction. When the arrows were coming from overhead, then they would hold the shield above them. When the, when the sword was coming in, they would hold the, the, uh, the, the shield out in, in front of them. Most of these shields in those days, they were made with like a, a leather covering, these fiery darts he's talking about because they used to literally shoot arrows that were burning. And of course, they would go in and as they would go into that, to that shield, the fire would be extinguished because of the leather that they were used in. And of course, we talked this morning much about this wrestling, that this is a one-on-one, hand-to-hand combat. And of course, the shield is something that was used very much when they were in this hand-to-hand combat, one-on-one, personal fighting you see, Satan's going to be using all kind of fiery darts. He's going to be able, to, he's going to use anything that he possibly can that would bring harm to you, temptations, doubts. Anything that can harm you will be used. But what God is saying here is that he supplied you with protection that you need against any darts that he might throw your way, and that's in the shield of faith. You see, it's not just knowing the truth, which is where we start. It's not just living that truth. It's actually taking God at his word and believing it with all your heart, with absolute implicit confidence. God's word is true. I know God's promises are sure. If we'll take God at his word, if we'll trust his every promise to us, we will be able to stand against whatever fiery darts that Satan can throw our our way. We need to put on that belt of truth. We need to put on that breastplate of righteousness. We need to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to take up the shield of faith. The next thing that he says here is to put on the helmet of salvation and take the helmet of salvation. What is the helmet of salvation? He's talking to Christians here, so he's not talking about getting saved. The helmet was something that was used to protect the head. 
Do you know that one of Satan's greatest used tricks is to get into the head of Christians, cause them to think the wrong things, cause them to doubt God, just as sure footing could only be found in a confidence in that gospel. Sure thinking can only come keeping our minds focused on the goal. We're pressing towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. We need the certainty of assurance of salvation to protect us against the enemy's onslaught. You see, what he so many times tries to do is he tries to come in and he tries to play with Christians' minds and he tries to get you to doubt it. Maybe you've had the truth and maybe you've even uh, gone through what that truth said and, and, and you've believed it, but then suddenly these doubts start flooding into your head and you start wondering, well, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Well, you're not going to be able to fight against the devil. You can't take any of these promises if you don't have absolute assurance. Let me tell you something. There is no question about the security of your salvation. God doesn't do a halfway job. You're not saved because of what you did or did not do, because of what you quit doing or what you start doing. You're saved by the grace of God. None of us deserve to be saved. God's grace is what saved us when we put that faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the helmet of salvation. Don't let Satan come and start playing with your mind and start telling you something that you need something else, that you need some other experience, that you need this or you need that. We find that if we're going to win this spiritual battle, then we need to have absolute assurance of our salvation. And then, of course, he says to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword. That was the soldier's weapon. That's the weapon that you and I have today. You know, the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We find that the Word of God is the only weapon that we need. That sword is used both to protect ourselves from the attacks when the enemy is coming at us, but it's also used to destroy the schemes and the, the strategies and all those things that he's attempting to use. So many times it's easy for us to, to start fighting these battles in the flesh and trying to, 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 to lash out and to do the things ourselves. It's the Word of God. It's only the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's only God's truth that can ever save a soul in the first place, and it's only God's truth that's going to protect us when Satan starts coming and he starts trying to destroy it, to tear it, tear it down. It's easy for us to get in the flesh, to try to sort something out. And, and we mean well. But the truth is, is that the enemy's just waiting and he's just watching. So what I want you to grasp here is there is, we need to be warned, we need to recognize there are battles taking place, spiritual battles every day of our life. There is a spiritual warfare. There is no question about that. And that battle will be there until Christ comes back for us. But God has given us everything. We need to quit fighting the battles in our own strength, and we need to receive his strength all the time. We need to recognize that he's there for us. I read an article. It was an article that was in a magazine for youth ministries about a 14-year veteran of the Navy SEALs. And he described this color code system in talking about the combat readiness. And he says, condition white. The soldier is relaxed, daydreaming, 
unaware of his surroundings, and a Christian that's in this condition is easy prey for Satan. The next is condition yalla. That soldier is relaxed physically, but he's alert mentally. This is a believer at this level that he may sense that trouble is coming. He may know that the devil's going to try to pull something, but he's not ready to confront it. The next level is condition orange. Soldiers, physically prepared, he's mentally alert, and he's ready to fight. This is a believer when he's got on his full armor of God. And then the final is condition red. And the condition, he's the same as orange, except that the difference is experience. A Christian, as we go through life and we fight these battles, a battle-seasoned Christian knows quickly what to do because of his experience, because of his familiarity with scriptures, the thing that he's going to use to fight that battle. He went on to say this, wherever we as followers of Christ happen to be at work, in the mall, on a business trip, even among fellow believers, we need to know about Satan's methods and be prepared to resist. He always seems to attack at our most vulnerable moments, but if we stay alert and armed, we can fend off his most powerful attacks. Satan is just looking for his moment. We find that one writer says, spiritual victory comes only to those who are prepared for battle. You'll never win a battle if you're not prepared for it when the enemy comes. So everything that we have seen thus far, you know, this is not rocket science. What we need to recognize is that we have, we can forget about all these spiritual, we have a spiritual battle that's taking place. We have an enemy. The enemy's not, he may even be using some of humanity and some of these people, but our enemy is Satan. He's the one that we've got to stand against. We've got to stand in the strength of the Lord. Our struggle is spiritual. It's not a question of the physical. It's a question of being wrong spiritually, but our supplies are sufficient. God has given us everything that we need and everything that we see thus far, we have right here in God's word. But I want you to note something else that is very essential as he carries on here. He says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying always. Now this is the Christian that he's put on all the armor. When he's got that armor on, he says the next thing is praying always. The significance of prayer cannot be overstated. It's absolutely indispensable in the battle that we are involved in. Now, of course, we find that the Scripture has much to say about prayer, and we don't have time to cover it always. But this first thing that he says here in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 it says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought, and there we find it again, always to pray and not to faint. How are we going to keep from fainting? By praying always. We look back into Hebrews chapter 4. We find that he tells us there in Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy 
and find grace when? To help in time of need. We need God's help. We need that which can only come by prayer. In Romans chapter 12 and in verse 12, he says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. We find that what he's saying here is that when we put on the whole armor of God, that we need to be always praying. We need to be in constant communication with our commander, with the source of all of our supplies and everything, praying always with all prayer and supplication. That denotes the type of prayers. We pray all kinds of different things, and, and, and of course, when it comes to this spiritual warfare, there are many different things that we might need to, to pray for, but the thing is, is that whatever it might be, whatever kind of prayer that we might need to pray, in, in Matthew chapter uh, 26, notice what he says in verse 41, he says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation." The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, praying always with all prayer and supplication. One of the things is that once we put on the armor, we shouldn't wait until the enemy is on top of us to start praying. We need to be praying that God won't lead us, that God will protect us from it before that that battle begins. In Mark chapter 9, we mentioned this verse not long ago, Mark chapter 9, verse 29, and of course this was dealing specifically with the casting out of an evil spirit. We find that the apostles, the disciples, they had tried to cast this one out and, and they couldn't do it. And of course, when Jesus came and Jesus cast him right out and they said, well, you know, why couldn't we do that? Jesus had no problem doing it. And he said to them there in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. By nothing but by prayer and fasting. These were his apostles. These were his close followers. We find that the only way that they could deal with that evil spirit was by prayer and fasting. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, a very familiar passage to most of you, I'm sure. He says, be careful for nothing. Literally, the idea of being, of being anxious be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, those words again, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication, and notice his next words, in the Spirit. Yes, we need to be praying all the time. We need to be praying about every circumstance, whatever that it might be. We need to be praying concerning every attack that Satan might bring against us or does bring against us. We need to be praying in the Spirit. In other words, in complete submission to God and His will. Our prayers can only be effective not when we're praying selfishly about what we want or what we think or what we think that God needs to do, but submissively in the power of the Spirit as He leads us in these matters. That requires getting that old self out of the way. That requires relying and desiring what God wants more than what 
we want, desiring his will and his power. We find that in Jude verse 20, the instruction there says this. It says, but ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, being able to pray in the Spirit. We find that if we look back a few pages into the book of James, chapter 4, and in verse 3, the Bible says this about prayer. It says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Prayers can be prayed in a variety of ways, variety of positions for all kinds of reasons. But we're saying here that when it comes to this battle, you know, we're not talking about just some kind of mechanical rhetoric that we're so accustomed to doing. We're talking about praying in total submission to God with His Spirit that lives within us, giving us guidance in all that we're doing, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching there unto. I asked this question in the Bible study class this morning. You ever been talking to somebody and you knew that your voice was carrying and you knew that they were there, but you could tell real quick they weren't really listening. <laughs> you didn't really expect a response, not, not any kind of intelligible one from them anyway. But what he's saying to us here, watching thereunto. Do you know when you, when you ask somebody something that you know that they're going to respond? In other words, we ought to be praying with expectancy, watching for God to do it. We've put it into God's hand. We're praying according to God's will. We ought to be watching thereunto for him to do what he's going to do. It ought to be an expectation of ours that God is going to answer our prayers, that God is going to intervene, that God is going to do what needs to be done. Mark chapter 11. In verse 24, the Word of God tells us this. He says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. In other words, that's what that watching there and to is all about, believing that we are communicating with God, that we're praying in God's will, and that God is going to answer those prayers. We find that he says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. Then he tells us in one other place in Colossians chapter 4, I'm only touching on a few passages. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So when we put on the armor of God. We need to be always praying with all prayer and supplication. We need to be praying in the Spirit. We need to be praying with faith, watching for God to do what He says. And He goes on to say, with all perseverance and supplication. 
We want it on our time schedule a lot of times, don't we? <laughs> you see, he's saying here, never, ever, ever giving up. Because we don't see something being done right now, because we don't see it being done on our time schedule in our way, we need to be persistent in pleading with God to give us the victory. We need to be continually in the state of prayer, continually praying with our God. What did he say there in, in, in verse 2? Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He also tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, I said this before. You know, he, he's not talking about, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't advise driving down the road with your eyes closed, you know, bowing your head and praying. Um, but you can certainly be in a state of prayer, uh, whatever that you're doing. You know, if you're working on a job sometimes, you need to be paying attention to what you're doing, but praying without ceasing. We ought to be in communication with God, whatever we're doing. We ought, to, we ought to have him right there, and we ought to know, and we ought to be asking him what he thinks about this and asking for his guidance and for his leadership. And certainly in this matter of spiritual warfare, we ought to never, ever be out of communication. You know, two of the things that the enemy will always try to take out when he's attacking someone is their supply chain and their communications. If they can't communicate with each other, and if they can't get your supplies in, well, the truth is God is supplying everything that you need, every piece of armament, every piece of weapon that you need, God is giving to you. You don't need anything else to win this battle. But God's saying you've got to stay in communication with the commander. With all perseverance and supplication, notice his last words, for all saints. We said this morning that this battle, as we looked at it, we saw where as we looked at all that had led up here in, 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 our, in our passage of Scripture reading that, that everything that Paul had been writing to the church at Ephesus up to this point, it dealt much with this unity of the individual living a life in the Spirit, the unity of the body together. We find that as he's talking here, he's reminding us that when we are praying, we ought not to be so selfish that we're just praying for what I need, but we ought to be praying for all the saints. In Acts chapter 12 and in verse 5, again, we find a familiar account here. This is where that uh, Peter himself had, had been uh, arrested. Uh, and we find that if we begin there, he says, Now about the time Herod king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Notice verse 5. Peter Therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The church wasn't just praying for them. They were praying for Peter that was locked up in prison. <laughs> of course, you pray, and then, you know, uh, with them, they were kind of shocked when he came knocking on the door. But uh, I'm not sure how expectant that they, uh, that they really were there. Uh, but we find that... Uh, uh, we need to know that God is going to, to be answering. And then uh, one other place in James chapter 5 and in verse 16, 
uh, the Bible tells us there, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So as we look at these passages here, there's much that could be said about prayer. I read a story. I'm not sure if I pronounced this lady's name right or not, but her name was Irina Ratashunskaya, something like that. And, uh, and of course, she, uh, during her childhood, she had a real desire in, in, in searching God, even while that she was hearing all the school lectures that were promoting atheism and mocking Christianity in Russia. And of course, as she began to search and seek out, she came to an unflinching faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Her poetry expressed that faith and brought inspiration and hope to many believers all over Russia. Listen, it also brought her to the attention of the KGB. And at 28 years of age, Irina was arrested and she was sentenced to seven years hard labor in Bereshevo labor camp. She was subjected to all kind of relentless interrogations, the chilling cold, starvation, hard labor, and months at a time in solitary confinement. But her faith never broke. She said that during the lonely nights, sometimes huddled against the cold wall of her cell, she would compose poetry in her head about God. When Irina was finally released, she credited the prayers of believers for sustaining her. She wrote these words in one of her poems. She said, believe me, it was often thus, in solitary cells on winter nights, a sudden sense of joy and warmth and a resounding note of love. And then unsleeping, I would know, a huddle by an icy wall, someone is thinking of me now, petitioning the Lord for me. I could tell you story after story. You know, the simple truth is, is that one of the ways we need to grasp and understand that every child of God is in this spiritual warfare. They're facing battles. And we find that God here, he's warning us about it, but he's giving us instructions of how there's no question of us being defeated, but how that we can stand and not lose an inch. We need to put on the armor that he's given to us, and when we put that armor on, we need to be in a constant state of prayer. Everything we need is supplied for the spiritual warfare. It's supplied through the armor that we get through God's Word, the promises of His Word, the, the power of prayer, everything that is ours through Christ Jesus. And yet, sadly, so often, Two of the things that are neglected most by Christians, they get to this point to where they think that they understand, they know all these things, they've read all these things. And God's Word and prayer begin to take a back seat. And of course, then Christians wonder, why am I losing this battle? Why am I struggling here? Why are things not going better? And of course, so many times, the question about winning the battle has nothing to do with whether God has given us, and it doesn't have anything to do with whether we have to lose it. 
It all comes down to us, each and every one of us. Our strength is in the Savior. If we're fighting that battle from any other place, from any other strength, we need continually to be getting his strength. Our stand is against Satan. We need to remember who the enemy is, and we need to not give an inch against him. Our struggle is spiritual. We're fighting so many of our battles in the physical, and this is a spiritual warfare. Our supplies are sufficient through God's word and prayer. It sounds too simple. We get beat up on all the time. We know that in the end, the battle is won, but we lose many of the skirmishes day by day by day down here because God's answer sometimes seems so simple to us. Paul finally asked here for a specific prayer to be made for him in this matter. Now, we know this man had faced some spiritual warfare. He'd faced it on a grand scale. I mean, he had been persecuted. He had, they'd tried to stone him to death. They'd locked him away in prison, all these things. And even remember, I said this morning, while he is writing this, he's locked away in a prison cell. Circumstances would say that he was losing. Circumstances would say that he wasn't winning this battle at all. And yet he's writing from a prison cell, giving us this instruction. He's not crying out, this isn't fair. I've really tried. This isn't fair that I'm having to go through this. This isn't fair that I'm having to face this battle. He's not even complaining that I, I, I just don't understand. Far from it. His request is evidence of the victory that he knew in this warfare. Even though the circumstances showed something so very different. He says in verse 19 and 20, and for me, talking about the praying, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He's not backing off and he's not complaining. He's not talking about how tough it is and how he just can't go on. He's saying, pray for me that I can preach the gospel, that I can share the gospel, that I can speak boldly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in these dire circumstances. His focus was still upon that, not upon his own situation. He doesn't even ask him for prayer for his own comfort, for his own well-being in prison. He's not even asked a prayer here that he be released from this horrible place that he's spending his time. His desire is that his testimony would be everything that it ought to be. He wants their prayers that he would be faithful in boldly proclaiming the gospel even there in the prison cell. He hasn't lost sight of his goal. He hasn't lost sight of what's really important for him. Boldly proclaiming the gospel, that's the thing that's important. Regardless of the personal cost, too many people, too much of the time, allow the circumstances around them to dictate whether they're winning or losing these battles or not. Sometimes they just feel that God is just somehow letting them down, that the devil is just winning and beating up on them because they don't like the circumstances that they find themselves in. We need to understand 
Our natural, physical circumstances don't dictate or declare the winner of these battles. Our attitude and our speech will declare clearly whether we're winning our spiritual battle or not. Circumstances of this life are really of pretty little significance when it comes to this spiritual warfare. Oh, you can allow them to dictate. You can allow them to determine how you represent Christ as his ambassador, as he calls it here, if you want to. When you do so, just remember that it's you that's giving Satan the victory, not God. There's absolutely no way that you can be defeated if you fight the battle God's way, if you fight it in his strength, if you fight it with what he supplies you. When we lose, sadly we do sometimes, it's solely because that we're bypassing our commander-in-chief's plan, his provisions, everything that he's given us to win. We find that we know that Spiritual battles are real, and they're ongoing. And I said this morning that I've had so many, and this is one of the things lately that I know that in recent months, maybe this past year, that we've had more people facing real serious spiritual battles in our church, and our church has had more spiritual battles than I can remember in years. That doesn't mean that we have to lose. It doesn't mean that we are losing. These battles will be part of our daily life as long as we are in this earthly life, until our Lord returns for us in glory, Satan is a formidable enemy. He's not going to quit. He's not going to offer a ceasefire. Not one that really counts anyway. He may think, oh, I'll let up on you if you'll just do this. You see, if we have anything, we have victory in Jesus Christ and his finished work. Satan has been defeated and his day is coming. As all the battles rage day to day in our lives, he and all the forces he controls will continue to wage war against us. Now you can. What's the old saying? Tuck your tail and run? <laughs> you can if you want to. But we can stand. We cannot lose an inch, not give an inch. We can claim the victory. If God's word isn't true in this matter, if these warnings and instructions that he's giving us right here are not valid, then I say to you this evening, we have no hope anyway. Because if it's not all true, then we have no hope in any of it being true. This is just as sure as the gospel that saved us. Remember, the battles are real and they'll be tough, but our strength is in the Savior. Our stand is against Satan. Our struggle is spiritual. Our supplies are all sufficient and our speech is significant. <laughs> you know, our speech will tell us whether we're winning or losing. Are we crying and complaining? Thinking about ourselves, or are we thinking about Christ, our testimony, 
our being an ambassador for him as the apostle Paul was. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know, we can listen to these things and we can put them aside and we can say, well, you know, we hear, hear that read every year. That's the passage that we've based our February conference on all these years. We, we know it. We know all that stuff. But what we do now will greatly affect how we handle the battle tomorrow and later this week and next week and the month after. i give you this illustration in closing. National Geographic, and of course they do many articles that <laughs> are kind of sad, but they do a lot on, on animals and things that are interesting, and they, they read an, ran an article in there about the Alaskan bull moose. Anybody ever heard of an Alaskan bull moose? Well, the males of this species, they battle for dominance all during the fall breeding system. Literally, they go head to head with their antlers crunching together as they collide. And often their antlers, which is the only weapon that they have, You'll find them after this with antlers broken off. Their weapons are broken. Now, if they don't have an antler, they're going to be defeated. There's no question about it. The heftiest moose with the largest and strongest antlers is the one that triumphs. So the battle that's fought in the fall is really won in the summer. That's when he eats properly. That's when he prepares himself properly. That's when he makes himself, builds himself up to where he is strong enough for that battle when he goes into it. Because you see, it's the ones that consume the best diet. They help those antlers grow strong. They're the ones that are going to be the heavyweight in the fight when it comes. If they eat inadequately, they don't prepare themselves, they have weaker antlers, they're the smaller animal, and they're not going to win the battle. And the writer, as I read this, so that there's a lesson here for us. Spiritual battles await. There is no question. If you doubt that, then you'll never be ready for it. Satan will choose the season that he's going to attack, not you. He will attack when he thinks that you're the most vulnerable. The question is, will he be victorious? Will we falter or will we have the victory? Well, I say that much depends on what we do now. Much depends on what we do before we get into the battle. The bull moose principle, enduring faith, strength, wisdom for the trials. All these things need to be developed in us now. So we know that there is no question that we could be very discouraged because so many people have had to fight so many battles. But I'm saying to you that these battles are a reality and they are not going to go away. They will be there until Christ comes for us. It's part of our life. Satan doesn't want you to have the victory. He doesn't want you to win. If you lost, he doesn't want you to get saved, that's for sure. <laughs> he wants to have you in eternity in that place called hell. But if you're saved, 
He doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't want your Christian life to amount to anything. He doesn't want you to amount to anything. And I promise you, he doesn't want this church to amount to anything. But the truth is, we can realize these battles are coming. We can follow God's instruction. It won't happen by itself. We'll never win these battles on our terms in our way. But with God, we can always stand. We do not, even when we don't understand, even when we may ask ourselves a lot of questions about it, if we have the confidence and the faith in him, we can have the victory. That's what I want you to have, is victory over the enemy. You as an individual and us as a church, it's not a time to tuck tail and run. It's not a time to throw the, the white flag into the ring. It's a time to stand our ground. It's a time to put on the whole armor of God and pray without ceasing, not only for our battles, but for each other, for all the saints. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord, as we Lord, have looked at this passage and we know that there's so much there, but Lord, the simple truth is you warn us, you tell us these battles are real and they're going to come. We are in a spiritual battle. We have a real spiritual enemy out there. Lord, you've given us everything that we need, not only for the final victory this hour is in Christ, and we know that with absolute certainty, but you give us what we need to fight these battles daily, day by day, this wrestling, this hand-to-hand combat. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take these things to heart. I pray that you'd help us to do what's necessary to be prepared for the devil. We Saul, Lord, that when we put on this whole armor of God, that it was not something that you put on and take off and put on and take off, but, Lord, when you tell us to put it on there, it's supposed to be to to put it on permanently, to keep it on, to always be ready, never let down our guard. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to be a prepared people. Help us, Lord, to fight the battles your way in your strength. And we'll give you all the praise for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.